You're listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 68. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. My guest today is Chad North. Chad is the founder of North by North based in the US. The company sells kerchiefs, handkerchiefs and hooded neck gaiters made out of merino wool. Chad will tell us how he came up with the idea and how he started launching his business. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, Chad, thank you so much for your time today. I really look forward to talking to you. Me too. I'm, I'm glad to be on the show. And before we start talking about your business, can you please tell me a little bit more about yourself? Yes. So I was uh, born and raised in central Pennsylvania, and it's a very rural area. Uh, we're surrounded by a lot of farms and, and mountains and uh, like state parks and that sort of thing. So uh, I've been in kind of an avid outdoorsman for uh, since I was probably around 10 years old, and um, I'm a little older than that now. Um, but I've just grown up with a, with a deep love of the outdoors And um, even though I've traveled and, and lived other places in the United States, um, I've always loved this part of, of Pennsylvania. So that's why one of the reasons why uh, I moved back and eventually got North by North started here. Yeah, and tell me a little bit more about Pennsylvania. What kind of a landscape is it? So it's small. The, the, uh, the, the mountains are actually pretty small. They're, they're considered... Uh, some of the oldest mountains in the United States, but they're they've just been worn down over the millennia. So they're they're kind of smaller, almost like rolling hills, mountains. But where we are in the center of the state, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we're right along the banks of the Susquehanna River, which is a pretty uh, pretty famous river. But it's it's very shallow, very wide. Uh, so it's like the longest non-navigable river in the, in the world. Um, But it makes just a really pristine kind of river valley where we live. And then we're surrounded by a lot of Amish and Mennonite farms. Um, so it's really, it's, it's really picturesque when you're um, you know, driving around and, and seeing the local area. And we're also um, home to Bucknell University, which is a small uh, liberal arts college. So it's this really unique kind of cultural um, center and uh, filled with natural beauty all around it. And do you have like harsh winters and hot summers or what are the temperatures like? Uh, it is pretty, um, I mean, we do have a very solid four seasons. So the summertime, it'll easily get up into, um, you know, like the high 90 degrees Fahrenheit uh, with a lot of humidity, which we don't like. Um, but, you know, right now we've got snow on the ground. Um, it's maybe about uh, 20 degrees Fahrenheit right now. Um, so it does, does get hot, does get cold. Uh, but really distinct four seasons here. Okay. And then I imagine lots of woods and, or like, what is the, like, do you have more farms or lots of forests, etc.? Yeah. So we have lots of forests. So Pennsylvania, um, of course means Penn's woods. Um, so there's lots of, lots of forests around here and, uh, we're kind of in river Valley. So we're, we're, we're banked by, um, mountains on both sides of us and in the flatter valleys where a lot of the farms are. So you can look out and all you're going to see are trees and some mountains. But when you start going down the road, you'll see, you know, big sprawling farms as well. 
Okay, okay, now I can picture it much better. Thank you so much. Now with that background, tell us a little bit about your company North by North and the products that you sell. Sure. So North by North is a uh, merino wool kerchief, handkerchief, and neck gaiter company. So um, basically merino wool head and neck wear. And we uh, import you know, really uh, fantastic um, merino wool directly from Australia. And then they are manufactured here in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, kerchiefs are actually one of the oldest known uh, human um, kind of pieces of apparel, as I've learned. And, of course, it's, it's French for head covering. So they're basically just large square pieces of merino fabric, about 42 inches by 42 inches. But they're incredibly versatile. And the wool material makes it even more versatile for uh, year-round and kind of all climate use. Uh, we also make handkerchiefs, which uh, are smaller, about 25 by 25 inches. And then we also make a hooded neck gaiter. So if, if um, listeners are, are – um, if they're familiar with buffs, kind of those, those uh, neck tubes and, and neck warmers, it's kind of like that, but it has also an articulated hood on top of it. And the idea is that all three – are extremely versatile and they can be used for hundreds of different um, hundreds of different things. So give me some examples. How would I use the wool kerchief? So the kerchief you could use, um, you know, as a, as a warm hood or head covering. Uh, I've also used it for shade in the summertime to keep the sun off my head and neck. Um, you can you know, use some kind of like fabric origami and turn it into a bag or a carrier for your laptop. Um, if you lose a mitten, you can tie it into a mitten. Um, you can use it for first aid. So if you're out in the woods and you know something drastic happens and you need a tourniquet, you could use it for that or for just kind of normal compressing um, for wounds, that sort of thing. Um, so headwear, neckwear, first aid. Um, as a carrier, like I say, you can turn into different kind of bags and, and um, carriers for products. And um, those are the biggest ones. The main the main use for all these products is, is mainly as head and neck wear for either, like I said, the cold temperatures or hot temperatures. And what amazed me in one of the pictures I saw on your website or something that um, it kind of replaces a lot of other gimmicks that you might take on a trip to the woods. So instead of having like 15 different gadgets, you only need this one kerchief. That's what I found so yes. interesting. Yeah, so I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an avid backpacker, specifically an ultralight backpacker. And so ultralight people are always looking for versatile pieces of gear that replace a lot of different pieces of gear into one, which ultimately helps kind of lighten your load and, and add to your uh, enjoyment of your trip. And yeah, how did you come up with this idea? So it was really interesting. Um, and this is probably going to get into a couple other questions you wanted to ask as well. So I've like I said, I've always been an avid outdoorsman, but that was, I started, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And back then the only real apparel material for outdoors was, uh, was synthetic materials like polyesters and nylon. And, uh, I learned to hate those <laughs> very early on because of how bad they smelled. And, and even though they dried quickly, uh, they always felt kind of clammy and uncomfortable to me. And of course, cotton when you're out in the woods is, is definitely no, no, because, um, you know, loses its insulation ability when it gets wet and it holds on to moisture a long time, which is great in the really hot sun. But when you, when the temperatures start getting a little cooler, it becomes a liability 
um, and can lead to hypothermia. So I was kind of stuck with with apparel I didn't like, um, but you still went to the woods as much as I could and was an avid reader of uh, Backpacker magazine. And years and years ago, they started talking more about this merino wool fabric that was getting developed by a few companies like Icebreaker and Smart Wool. And um, how, you know how it breathed well. You could wear it in the, the wintertime or the summertime, which was a new – uh, new understanding for me, and you know, resisted, resisted odors, and had all these other you know incredible qualities to it, and uh, I thought to myself, I, that's that's what I need. I need to get some merino wool apparel, and so I got my first my first icebreaker shirt, um, you know, shortly thereafter, and I still have that shirt. It's it's full of holes, but I, I still use it quite a bit. And, um, and I loved it. As soon as I put it on, the, the way it felt, how comfortable it was, how well it breathed, and actually how well it kept me cool in the summer, but also kept me insulated in the wintertime. Uh, so I immediately fell in love with, with all things merino wool, which uh, back then wasn't a whole lot. But you know, as the years went on, um, more and more manufacturers popped up or more and more companies started using uh, merino wool. Well, so one of those products was was a buff um, that that neck gaiter I, I talked about before. They come out with a merino wool one, which could be used in all these different ways as a neck gaiter, as a as a hat, as a sweat rag. And so I always loved versatile pieces of fabric. So I always carried a bandana with me whenever I went backpacking and use it for a million different things. And when the buff came out, the exact same thing happened. I used it for you know a million different things and, and loved how versatile it was, especially when the merino wool. Um, buff came out. Well, I was in California at the time and uh, just bought a motorcycle and um, was absolutely in love with with riding around all over the place. But the problem was, is um, with the wind blowing, um, my neck was exposed. And of course, like little little bugs and, and, and road debris would hit my neck and of course really hurt. And in the sun, you know, I get sunburned in the back of my neck. So immediately I thought, well, I'll wear a merino wool buff because that'll help protect my neck. Well, the problem was that same wind would just push the the, the buff up to the top of my neck and, and still expose it, and I'd still get sunburn and um, and road debris on my neck, which would really hurt. So I knew I, I immediately saw the limitation of neck gaiters that they couldn't be adjusted uh, in any sort of way to, for a tight fit. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll wear you know a scarf, but a scarf just seemed like it'd be way too warm because um, most scarves are pretty thick. And, um, and then I looked at a cotton bandana, but of course cotton kills. I didn't want to wear cotton out in the, out in the elements and they're a little too small to be really be tied around my neck. And so right around this time was when, um, schmogs became really popular with the general public. And for those who don't know, a schmog or keffier is the, um, kind of middle Eastern, uh, head and neck wear device that, uh, the NATO forces use now. But pretty much any any picture of any Middle Eastern person out in the desert, they're wearing a schmog, which is basically just a cotton kerchief. And so I thought to myself, well, that'd be the perfect thing I'm looking for. There must be someone in the world who makes these out of merino wool instead of just cotton. And as I learned, they're only made out of cotton. And so I thought to myself, well, if no one makes it out of merino wool, maybe I could do maybe I could do that. And so I spent a couple of years researching um, suppliers and finding manufacturers and then you know eventually led to the Kickstarter campaign about a year and a half ago and now we're here today. Wow okay so you actually 
uh, yeah, the idea born because you had a need. And do you see other people have that same need? Like, who's your typical target group then? Yes. Yeah, so it was, it was actually interesting when I was um, researching the internet for a merino wool schmog manufacturer, and I, I couldn't find anybody. What I did find were a lot of um, people looking for a merino wool schmog or kerchief. So schmogs and kerchiefs are basically the same dimensions and size. So they're kind of used interchangeably. Um, and so I saw that there was a need besides myself for these. And um, that's when I knew I was probably onto something. Okay, so these are, but would you say are those also people who like to hike or uh, ride their motorbikes? What do they typically do when they use your, your product? So it's the, the market, my market varies pretty widely. I mean, right now it's, it's a pretty dedicated, um, kind of more like a, like an outdoorsman uh, type person. So like a bushcrafter or a camper, backpacker, hiker, but I also, you know, people who ride motorcycles, um, people who just ride their bicycles, you know, so cyclists will wear them as well. Um, I'm trying to think, yeah, I have some military guys who wear them, uh, both like up in the Arctic and also out in the Middle East. Um, so it, it, the, it ranges pretty, um, pretty wildly, but basically people who, who love to be outdoors or who have to be outdoors and want something to help keep them warm or cool, depending upon the temperature. And does your target group or also your customers, do they interact a lot with you? And I mean, you told me you had 100 different applications Did your customers also suggest some more applications. Yes. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's one of the, the most fun things that I get to see is, uh, the different ways people use it that maybe I hadn't thought of, or just didn't even have a, an ability to think about it. because it was so unique. Um, so, uh, I know one gentleman, uh, is a farmer and he actually used, um, one of the neck gaiters as a, as a blind for his goat who was really anxious about traveling in the car. So he just put <laughs> the neck gaiter over the goat's eyes and, um, the goat immediately calmed down and he was able to, uh, take it where he needed to go. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have some bushcrafter guys up in Canada who do some really unique things with it. One guy, um, last winter, I, I forget what they're called. I don't know if they're called like a Swedish, um, sock or what, but you basically fill a kerchief with a whole bunch of snow and then you tie it up and you hang it from a tripod, a couple feet away from the fire and put a, um, like a bowl or a pot underneath. And what happens is the warmth of the fire slowly, slowly melts the snow, um, inside the kerchief and it drips right down to your container. So it's kind of a lazy man's way of collecting, uh, water from snow. Uh, another gentleman actually turned, um, turned this into a, a makeshift chair, which I was really impressed at how well the material held up. Uh, granted he was a much, uh, thinner and smaller gentleman, but he made this, this chair out of some, some sticks and the kerchief in it looked very comfortable. Hmm, I love those ideas. Yeah, and I think it's great that, that they, they seem to really like the product. Otherwise they wouldn't be interacting with you. You know, you, I mean, you told me already that like how you became aware of merino wool and how you experimented with it and does your target grow, group also know a lot about merino wool or do you also need to educate them about the fiber yes it's still it's still a lot of education i mean fortunately merino wool has been around now for um you know it popular it's been around for maybe about uh 15 years now 
and becoming even more so. There's more companies popping around. So people are starting to realize that merino wool is not like their grandparents' wool, which is very, you know, coarse and scratchy. Um, but people still think when they think wool, they think cold temperatures. And so, um, you know, this kind of being my really my first full year in operation, um, you know, starting to figure out, well, how do I start educating my customers now about the benefits of wool in, you know, the, the spring and summer months as well. So there's, there's still, still a little bit of education, but in general, more and more people are, are seeing marina wool and asking questions about it or finding the answers themselves and educating themselves about it. Okay, great. And you also said that you were researching for some time to find the right manufacturer. And did I understand correctly that you actually manufacture the fabric also in the U.S.? No, so the, the fabric is uh, is manufactured in Australia. So mm -hmm. um, I import the, the fabric to the United States and then they're uh, cut and sewn here in Pennsylvania. Um, and it was actually, it was that was probably the hardest part of all of this was finding a supplier. And as I've, I've learned, the, the apparel industry from... The, the, the fabric manufacturers all the way to the actual sewing manufacturers. It's a very antiquated industry and uh, not many places are on are readily available on the internet. And so part of you know, my years of, of looking for a manufacturer uh, of the uh, marina wool manufacturer is that most companies didn't have an online presence or if they did, it was like a very old website from like the mid 90s. Um, or really this didn't, they want to be found. They wanted, you know, to be found through like normal, normal channels and not the internet. Um, so I was able to find one manufacturer in the U S originally, um, who could make the Marina wool, but by, you know, shortly before my Kickstarter campaign launched, uh, he retired <laughs> and left the, left the business. So I'd spent another, you know, several months trying to find a new manufacturer and, And I wish I could remember how exactly I stumbled upon it, but I came upon a manufacturer in Australia. And it just so happens out of all the merino wool fabric I've owned and, and seen and tested over the years, they had the best, um, the best fabric out there. Okay, so I bet that those are some good key messages to take away that, um, that for upcoming people with ideas like yourself, the wool industry needs to be more easily available through their online presence so that's for sure something to learn from your story and what i quite find interesting is that your product is actually so simple because it's just a square of fabric but mm -hmm. it's the simplicity that makes all the difference so that's what what amazes me about it and regarding your name It's North by North, which North is your last name, but is it in reflection then to the measurements that it's the exact measurements um, as a square? Uh, no, it, it um, you know, I coming up with a name, it was, it was pretty easy because my Latin last name was, you know, is North. Um, and, you know, I was thinking through different, different company names and for some reason, uh, North by Northwest kept popping into my head. Um, and, kind of the, the concept behind the company when I said, oh, let's do North by North is I'm, you know, heading North, you know, it's just basically a story about me. It's, it's, you know, going North by North, you know, by Chad North. Um, so I, I guess that's, <laughs> okay. So I that's, a new what, that's where it all comes from. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, it's, what is it? 42 inches by 
42 inches so i thought that was reflecting also the name of your product well you have a new interpretation if you like <laughs> yes yeah. and then tell me how now we know a lot about how you started your company but tell me now how do you actually market your product so um uh, so i did the kickstarter campaign and you know if, if you're really so what i love about kickstarter is it really turns the, the the banking industry on its head. It's you no longer have to start a company with debt. You can start a company with a proven product, you know, with pre-sales and, and this incredible amount of marketing. So the way Kickstarter works is you know, you've got to do your work in the front end to start driving traffic to Kickstarter. And basically, once you get to a certain point, then Kickstarter will do will start pushing out to its general audience and so it kickstarter will basically do marketing for you and so that my early earliest marketing efforts was kickstarter and st still is this day i still get you know quite a bit of traffic from from kickstarter and with the community that kickstarter um has created it's, it's a worldwide um community so um that did a lot of early marketing for me and um still does a lot of marketing for me now all over the world um like if you were to google you know marina wool kerchief for marina wool schmog uh, my kickstarter campaign still comes up uh, almost right near the top every time so i uh, did that and my my main strategy you know i'm on um instagram quite a bit um i did some things on facebook but facebook is And you, you got to pay for everything on Instagram. There's much more, much more of an authentic connection with people. Um, and so that's always helped, um, to, to drive uh, customers in. But then lastly, um, I, I, you know, being in the outdoor industry for as many years as I have been, you know, I know who a lot of the key influencers are and I'm actually friends with a lot of them. And so, you know, getting the product in their hands, having them test it, having them use it and then share it with their audiences, uh, has been incredible. Uh, and it's probably, you know, my second largest, um, uh, marketing effort is just giving away free kerchiefs to, um, to these key influencers and, and having them share with their audiences and, um, really, really pays off. And you mainly then sell online or do you also do some like wholesaling or retail in store? Uh, so I mostly sell, uh, online. Um, I have a pretty good deal with the uh, the folks over at massdrop.com um, which if people aren't familiar with that it's a it's a group buying uh, website and the idea is that they'll they'll buy you know product from wholesale the community says that they want and the more people who buy that product the cheaper the price becomes and so um, they've got some really great communities over there they have like a men's style community they have a quilting community uh, you know electronics community but they have this really fantastic um, like ultralight backpacking and outdoors community. So I'll occasionally sell, um, through them, you know, maybe once a quarter and that drives a lot of sales and again, additional marketing to the right people. And where would be your biggest market still in the U S because you also said you have some international customers. Yep. Uh, so U S and probably followed by, um, Canada. And then I, I do ship quite a bit to um, to Europe, um, a lot to uh, you know to, to Germany and Scandinavia and the UK, um, and then surprisingly I sell quite a bit in Australia. <laughs> um, 
but uh, my my biggest market by far is is the U.S. and then kind of followed by uh, Canada and then then um, then the rest is spread between Europe and Australia. And then coming back to Kickstarter, I saw that you started one campaign and then I think you just stopped it and then launched a second campaign that was then successfully funded. So what was the difference between the campaigns and what did you learn from, from maybe the first one? Uh, well, the, the, the good thing I learned was that most Kickstarter campaigns fail the first time. And, and if you look at the statistics, they should fail the first time because if you relaunch your campaign a second time, you're much more likely to, uh, to achieve your goal. Uh, the, the, probably the two biggest things um, I learned was um, – the amount, the, the goal size. So my first campaign, you know, I immediately wanted to offer four different colors of the kerchiefs. And so my basic costs for that was, was about $20,000, which is why the campaign was for $20,000. And so when you have a really high goal like that, um, it's tough for cust it's tough for uh, potential backers to feel confident that if they give money, then you'll achieve your goal. So it's, it's like trying to, if you, it's like in baseball, it's like trying to go up to the plate every time and trying to hit a home run. It may work once in a while, but most times it's not going to work. Uh, and the other, the second biggest thing is I didn't have a video. Um, like I said before, I'm in a pretty rural part of the state. And so I couldn't find a very good videographer and I didn't have any equipment myself. And between the first campaign, and the second campaign I found um, is now a good friend of mine, um, this incredible videographer who helped create the, uh, the second video uh, or the video for the second campaign for me. The other thing I did for the second campaign is I lowered the goal to the smallest amount possible. So I said, all right, well, let's just offer one color of the kerchief. And the, the, you know, looking at all my minimums of, um, you know, buying for the fabric and also for manufacturing, I figured, all right, so for like 3,500 bucks, I could offer the minimum amount of kerchief to backers who wanted it. And, um, so it was a much more smaller achievable goal, which I actually wound up um, reaching my goal within the first eight hours on the first day. And so after that, it was just kind of sharing the success of the project with the people and getting them bought in. And when people see, oh, it's already a successful campaign, I'll give money too because I that's a product I want. And therefore, I have much more confidence that I'll, I'll get it um, from Kickstarter. And I also had a couple key influencers who wound up driving – you know, a couple thousand dollars worth of support my way just by mentioning it to their to their audiences. And did you manage to fulfill then within the <clears throat> set time that you you said you would? Uh, yeah, I was only uh, late by like a like a week week or two, I want to say, and there was just a delay with um, uh, manufacturing. Yeah, I guess that's always the the problem, no? That you rely on fulfilling your your yeah bid or so to say because you you have to work with others that might have a different time schedule. Yeah, and the other uh, Kickstarter when you so you only get the money if you hit your goal. Um, so like I said, I hit my goal on the first day, so I knew that I would I would get that money and any money that came in afterwards. Whereas before my first campaign, I raised you know, maybe like $5,000 of which I didn't get a dime because I didn't achieve my overall goal of $20,000. But <laughs> the one thing I hadn't really planned for was, um, when the campaign ended, Kickstarter takes almost a month to process all the credit cards and, and get your money to you. So I had 
basically a month where I couldn't really do anything after the campaign because I couldn't buy anything because I didn't have the money. Mm, okay, yeah, that's probably also frustrating then. And I have one last question, um, just out of curiosity. Um, how often do you tend to wash your Vuka chief? Uh, the um, I, so the one I have now is still the first one I've used, and I think I've, I may have washed it twice. And how old is it? <laughs> it's it's a year and a half old, and I wear it pretty much every day. Oh, wow. um, and so I, all I wear is merino wool. So my merino wool shirts, I only you know, I wear them, you know, minimum two times, mostly like three or four times before I wash them, um, which is just really, really incredible. And, um, there's some new, um, laundry detergents out there that are really good for wool, really simple to use, um, and keep it clean. Excellent. And do you have any future plans for your business? New products coming up? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm as about a big merino wool addict as you will find um and i and i really do the the fabric i'm able to get i really do think is is some of the best out there so um you know, would love to get more into you know more apparel so you know with shirts um probably not with uh, socks because the, the merino wool sock market is as um really booming right now um but you know just try and do more fun things with it um you know different apparel maybe get into like outerwear you know, gloves and hats, that kind of thing. Well, excellent. That sounds really great. And I wish you lots of success. And maybe we have Thank to you. talk again then in, in the near future. <laughs> Would love to. <laughs> well, where can our listeners find out more about North by North? Where should they go? Uh, the easiest place to go would be our website, which is northxnorth.co. So it's North by North, but it's instead of by, it's an X. So N-O-R-T-H-X-N-O-R-T-H dot C-O. Excellent. And I'll also make sure to link to that website in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Chad, for your time and explaining us so many details about your business. It's been really interesting. And yeah. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, I really enjoyed my talk with Chad today. And I hope you did too. If you want to find out more about Chad and his business, then head on over to the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 068. Once again, head on over to elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 068 and you will find many more links and background information on Chad and his company North by North. If you are traveling in the next couple of weeks, make sure to download a few Wool Academy podcast episodes onto your smartphone. You can download this podcast from iTunes as well as from Stitcher. Thank you for listening. Talk to you again next week and bye for now.